And we thank you again for being here and fitting in for our one service. If you haven't noticed, I added more rows to the middle. So the, the middle section is a little closer together than the outside sections. The outside sections, I left space. So if you're a little skittish about things still, the outside's where you want to sit. Uh, and then the middle, hopefully you can find some space. And then for those of you who didn't get the message for the rest of the summer starting next week, it's just one service, but we're going to 10 o'clock for the rest of the summer. We split the difference when we make a wholesale change. If we're just changing for a holiday, we just get rid of the 9 o'clock and we keep the 11. But now that we're going to just one service for the summer, we want to make sure everybody is upset. So there's no, neither a 9 nor 11. You've got to come to 10. It's, it's called Christianity. It's called grace, right, and mercy for everybody. So we all show up at a different time. So 10 o'clock for the rest of the summer. We really struggled with this. We talked about it months ago. We, we just didn't want to make the call uh, and basically tell you we don't expect you to come during the summer. We, we hate that kind of a message that we weren't trying to send. But the reality needs to be uh, that people like our praise team and the tech people, uh, they get here so early to do two services and it's a long day. So we thank you for the grace about uh, one service for the summer. And we do expect you to come here uh, if any opportunity if you're at home we want you to be here for our service those of you visiting with family we're glad you're here you picked a horrible time to come we're right in the middle of revelation and it's a tough book and it's not a it's not a book where you're going to go home after the service today and say wasn't that just great it's not one of those kind of messages where you leave feeling woohoo i feel encouraged and uh, it's hard stuff today and we're in the, the middle of it. We're, we're actually toward the end of it now. We're in chapters 17 and 18. So if you got your Bible or a gadget in your hand, turn to Revelation 17. We'll start there. There are Bibles in some of the seats, some of the uh, baskets underneath. If you need a Bible today, grab one. Revelation 17 and 18. The series is called Worship, Watch, and Warn. We took the whole book of Revelation, and we believe it tells us we should be worshiping Christ, we should be watching for Christ's return, and we should be warning others that Christ is the answer, the only answer for the sin problem we were born with. Before I get into that, and as you're finding your things, I'm just going to come to confession this morning. We know who the culprit was who did that awful deed at Pastor Ben's house. It was me. Um, So Pastor Ben... Before he left, he asked me, since I did 20 years in youth ministry, five other years taking teens all around the world, he said, would you mind leading the youth ministry while I'm gone? I said, yes. I was so excited to do that. And then as a great youth pastor, he sent me an email telling me, well, at 6 o'clock you do this, 6.15 you do this, 6.30 you do this, 7 o'clock you do this, 7.30 you do this. And I took it, printed it, ripped it up, and threw it away. And I knew exactly what I wanted to do. So I wrote the parents an email and said, if you bring your kids, you're giving me permission. We're going to put the kids in the, in the church bus and we're taking them to Ben's house and we're going to knife him. Have you ever knifed somebody before? You you take knives, plastic knives. I went over to Sam's, I bought 1,200 plastic knives. And we put them in his yard in the shape of a heart. I told the parents we weren't doing anything mean. You know, we weren't going to TP or egg or anything. We just knifed. So I just love it. The teens growing up in this church are always going to remember, our lead pastor took us to knife the youth pastor. 
I love that. And so this is a picture of us at Ben's yard starting the project. We're, we're sitting there putting knives in his yard. That's the heart kind of backwards. You've got to look at it at a different angle. Uh, made this beautiful heart out of knives. It was a wonderful time. We had a great night. Thank you, teens who came. Thank you for Ben and Kylie having a, a kind reaction to that. They're like herding cats. I love kids. I love teenagers. They're just so... The independent. I told them we're going to make one heart out of knives. I started, and people are just sticking knives over here and over here and over. Somebody started to write a message and then ended it. So there's like a why, a random why, and then the heart. We don't know. Uh, but I love teens and I love uh, our youth here at Oakwood. I pray a blessing on them. Glad to be a part of it. So our big idea today in our book of Revelation is when God decides it's time, judgment comes. You need to know today that judgment is coming. There's no hiding that fact. Our God is a holy God. He's a just God. He's a righteous God. Sin must be accounted for. The sad thing is many people are going to pay for their own sins. They're just going to stand before a holy God someday and and that holy God's going to want to know who's paying for the sin. You can make that option of I'll pay for my sin. The Bible makes it very clear you will spend an eternity in a place called hell. We don't rejoice in that. We don't jump around as a church, but we do know that the Bible teaches the fact of eternal damnation in hell. All the more reason why we proclaim you don't need to go there. That's the beauty of the gospel message. You don't need to do that. Jesus Christ, God's only son, went to the cross, died on the cross, paid the penalty for sin. The Bible says that God accounted it to righteousness for us because he he accepted the payment of Jesus on the cross to cover sin. So sin's been paid for. And yet some people are going to show up and pay for it on their own makes no sense so I heard this wonderful message my whole life and then it as a young teenager I went and knocked on my mom's room and I said I'm not saved and I remember praying that night and I said God please forgive me of my sin and come into my life as my savior and lord and I believe at that moment Jesus saved me giving me the opportunity that day when I go to heaven and stand before that holy God. And when I stand before him and he says, Don Jackson, who's paying for your sin? I'm going to say, I asked Jesus to take my sin. And immediately God's eyes are going to leave Don Jackson because when he looks at Don Jackson, there's all sorts of sin. There's all sorts of not right. Instead of looking at me, his eyes go to his son. And he sees the complete holiness and righteousness of his son at that moment. And he says, Don Jackson, you're perfect. I know I'm not perfect and pure, but when God takes his eyes off of me and sees Jesus, he says, Don Jackson, you're perfect. Enter into my eternal rest. Other people are going to come and they're going to have no forgiveness of sin. They're going to pay for it on their own. Don't let that be you today because judgment is coming. Revelation tells us that that's why we must warn And I'm going to give you a little bit of an extra warning today. As we get into this, it's going to be an uncomfortable day. I'm going to tell you, if you've got children in the room, there might need to be more explanation. Do not bring them to me to explain it. You do this at home or on the drive home. But today, the word prostitute is is in the message a lot. The word harlot. At worst, it's the word whore. And I, please, don't shoot the messenger. I'm just telling you what the scripture talks about today of the great prostitute Babylon. 
and we're going to talk about that. I'm going to read the words today. So there might need to be explanation if you have children today. Please do that. I don't want it to be uncomfortable, but I do need to stay honest to the text. Let's look at it. Today we're going to do a reading. I'm going to read all through chapter 17, then stop, do some preaching, and then we'll look at chapter 18. But let me read what the scripture says. Revelation 17. One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and said to me, Come, I will show you the punishment of the great prostitute who sits by the many waters. With her, the kings of the earth committed adultery, and the inhabitants of the earth were intoxicated with the wine of her adulteries. I just want to stop there just for one second and point out, as we talk about this today, it's going to be very difficult for your pastor because there's so many opportunities of thought for who this great Babylon is. Is it a literal city or is it a figurative city? As you read the first line, whatever decision you make on who Babylon is today, it's very clear that there was a cheating God. There was a not revering God as the only God. There was a turning to other idols And the kings of the earth committed adultery. The inhabitants were intoxicated with the wine of her adulteries. I'm telling you, doesn't matter what city you're in, there's sin. And it's abundantly clear. We live in a system of sin today. Politically, financially, religiously, there's cheating on God. So as we go through this today, I just want to point that out as you're thinking of what this is as I read. Verse 3, then the angel carried me away into the spirit, into the wilderness. There I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast and was covered with blasphemous names and had seven heads and ten horns. The woman was dressed in purple and scarlet and was glittering with gold, precious stones and pearls. She held a golden cup in her hand filled with the abominable things and the filth of her adulteries. The name written on her forehead was a mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes and the abominations of the earth. I saw that the woman was drunk with the blood of God's holy people, the blood of those who bore testimony to Jesus. When I saw her, I was greatly astonished. Then the angel said to me, why are you astonished? I will explain to you the mystery of the woman and the beast she rides, which has seven heads and ten horns. Thank God. I read verse 7 and I thought, good. This is hard to understand. The angel's going to explain it. I was so happy. Verse 8. The beast which you saw once was, was is, now is not, and yet will come up out of the abyss and go to its destruction. Well, thank you for the clarity. <laughs> As you read Revelation, I don't want you to be discouraged. It is apocalyptic literature. Again, there was that wonderful verse. Remember when that one thing happened and John started to write it down and God said, no, don't write that down. He left it a mystery, whatever it was. Again, there are some things that we can read and kind of understand. We know sometimes when it goes from literal to figurative in Revelation. We know sometimes. There are sometimes we don't know. And I've been telling people, I've been not looking forward to this one message the whole time because I will not be able to stand on this stage and with any definitiveness tell you the truth of who the Babylon is. Because even the greats of the great have a thought But they also have reasons why it probably isn't that city, nation, system. 
So today it's difficult for me as your pastor because when we like to stand up, we like to say, thus saith the Lord. Well, I can tell you, thus saith the Lord, but the Lord kind of veiled some of these things from our eyes so we don't know all of it. I'm okay with that. I don't know if you are today. If you leave uncomfortable with that today, I can understand that. It might shake you a little bit when the pastor stands up and says, we don't know for sure. I'm okay with that because... If I know everything about God and everything that he does in all his ways, then I've got a pretty small God. If Don Jackson can understand it, it's a pretty small God. He fits in a nice little box that I've got figured out. I'm okay with the fact that I've got a great big God whose mysteries are untold, and I don't understand all of it. There's a lot of things that I have a hard time understanding. Free will and predestination. The Bible clearly teaches both are true, and yet those two are competing ideas. Somebody taught me this a long time ago, and it's not going to help you, but I like to share it. It's like this drop ceiling. I know what's above that drop ceiling now because I've been up there on the lift. And remember the time when I preached about the guy lowered through that we actually had a guy come crashing through the roof and almost kill himself? That was a great illustration. I know it's up there, but let's say we don't know what's above this drop ceiling. Let's say there's two holes. There's a hole in that ceiling tile and a hole in that ceiling. And out of that ceiling tile came a rope. Each hole, there's just a rope. And, and you see the ropes here, but you can't see what's above the ceiling. I'm telling you today, if I were to grab this rope and pull on it, and this rope went up, and if I grabbed this rope and pulled on it and that rope went up, I'm going to tell you there's something above there that connects those two things that I can't see. Some of you are like, well, Don, it's simple. It's a pulley here and a pulley there. Well, is it? We don't know if it's a pulley here and a pulley there or if there's a monkey up there holding two ropes and every time it moves, he does that. We don't know. We don't know. We can't see it. So don't tell me what's above there if we don't see it. We can know that if God says free will, every man has a choice to make, but God chooses those who come to repentance. We know those two things are connected, but we don't know how. And I'm okay with that. I, I hope you could be okay with that too when we look at Revelation and say, God's teaching us some things today. We can get a big picture understanding, I think, for sure. I, I think God definitely is telling us something we need to be aware of in this passage. But for me to say, I know who Babylon is, I would be stepping on the fathers of many generations who, who looked and said, I don't know. So let's continue to read. Verse 9. Well, actually, we're in the middle of verse 8. Up out of the abyss and go to its destruction. The inhabitants of the earth whose names have not been written in the book of life from the creation of the world will be astonished when they see the beast because it once was, now is not, and yet will come. This calls for a mind with wisdom. The seven heads are the seven hills on which the woman sits. They are also seven kings. So I... Apparently, they can be one thing and another. Talk about confusing. Five, uh, five have fallen. One is, the other is yet to come. And when he does come, he must remain for only a little while. The beast who once was and now is not is an eighth king. He belongs to the seven and is going to his destruction. The ten horns you saw are the ten kings who have not yet received a kingdom, but who for one hour will receive authority as kings along with the beast. 
They have one purpose and will give their power to the authority of the beast. They will wage war against the Lamb, but the Lamb will triumph over them because He is the Lord of lords and King of kings. And with Him will be His called, chosen, and faithful followers. Amen? Let's clap for that. I don't know all the details, but I like that. The Lamb will overcome. And those with Him will also be victorious. Woohoo! I'm happy about that verse, and I understand who the King of kings and the Lord of lords is. Verse 15, Then the angel said to me, The waters you saw where the prostitute sits are the peoples, multitudes, nations, and languages. The beast and the ten horns you saw will hate the prostitute, and they will bring her to ruin and leave her naked. They will eat her flesh and burn her with fire. For God has put it into their hearts to accomplish his purpose by agreeing to hand over the beast their royal authority until God's words are fulfilled. The woman you saw is the great city that rules over the kings of the earth. Let's walk through what we've gone through so far in Revelation to kind of catch us up to today. In Revelation 19.6, Then I heard the sound of a great multitude like a roar of rushing waters and like peals of thunder shouting, Hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Don't forget that. Our God reigns. Last week I taught you about God's righteous character. He always acts out of righteous anger, not unrighteous anger. We've gone through the seven seal judgments. There's always a parenthesis between the sixth and seventh. So we talked about that. We went through the seven trumpet judgments. Seven trumpets with a parenthesis between the sixth and the seventh. And then we went through the bowl judgments. Seven bowl judgments. A pause between the sixth and the seventh bowl judgment. And and today we come to, and, and by the way, you would think at the end of the bold judgments, we'd go to the second coming of the Lord. That's, that would seem to be the logical next thing. All right, the Lord's coming. The judgments have been given. Now here comes the Lord on his horse and we're with him and there's going to be the great battle. Yet there's this pause and God deals with this city of Babylon, this great prostitute that it's called. So how does the Bible talk about Babylon? Babylon is described as making other nations rich. So whether you think of this as an actual city uh, or just a world financial system, we know that Babylon makes other nations rich. The wealth brings to ruin. I think, I guess that would probably be describing America in a sense that we are a very wealthy nation. I know many of you would say, oh, but we're poor. We don't have money. We're not. We live differently than the rest of the world. We really do. In America, we we have means. If you don't think so, um, I spend at least $2.50 on coffee every day, at least. Sometimes I hate to tell you, it's probably over $10 on coffee. The rest of the world lives on $2 a day. That's the average. $2 a day. I spend more on coffee every day than the rest of the world lives on. We're a rich nation. And it hasn't made us holy, has it? Babylon is described as being wicked and evil. Whether it's a one place, physical location, or whether it's a system of the world against God, Babylon was wicked and evil. It's described as being both political and spiritual. 
Uh, this woman rides upon the beast, and so at the beginning, this, this Babylon, this great prostitute, she's riding on top of controlling the beast, the Antichrist, so that shows some kind of a political power. Uh, the Antichrist at the first three and a half years of the tribulation uh, has a peace treaty going with Israel, and this this they're riding together. The, the religious aspect of this Babylon is controlling the political aspect. And then we know at the end of the three and a half years, the Antichrist turns and flips on the woman, the Babylon, the great, and she's destroyed. Uh, so the, Babylon has both political and spiritual components. Babylon is called the great harlot or the great prostitute. The, the mystery it was called Babylon the great, mother of all prostitutes and obscenities in the world. So that's Short description of Babylon as it's being described here. You need to know that Babylon was a great city right on the Euphrates River. Water's important. It's mentioned a lot in these two passages. That's the way commerce comes, by water. And so Babylon, the ancient city, was right on the Euphrates River, right in an important aspect. Although Babylon was gone, long gone when John wrote this from his exile in his prison when he's writing this. Was it that city? I don't, I don't think so. So who is Babylon? Everybody say, who? I don't know. But I decided today what I would do is just give you the top five ideas of who Babylon could be. Number one, could it be the apostate church? During communion, I mentioned that any religious system that says there is no Savior, Jesus didn't die, or he wasn't God's son, and, and anyone, whenever you go to any church, you need to ask two questions, two main questions. What do you do with the Bible, and what do you do with Jesus? If you mess with the Bible being God's word, if you mess with Jesus being God's son, the propitiation of our sin, if you mess with those two things, you're an apostate church. I want to warn us here for a second. I grew up in a Baptist and I'm fine with, I love the Baptist. God bless the Baptist. The Baptist gave me a, a deep understanding of how to interpret Scripture. And, and fundamentally, they're correct on Scripture. There's other issues the Baptists have. But one of the things that I was taught over and over again, that Babylon was the Catholic Church. That's what I was taught. I'll never forget the day when I'm at a Baptist church in Battle Creek now as the youth pastor. And my insurance agent called me and asked me to come to the office. And uh, it's a smaller town, so everybody knew everybody. Uh, we had actually taught, um, what's that class you teach at the public schools in the elementary level that's the, uh, uh, what was that? No, not catechism, that's a religious thing. It's a political thing. You teach the little kids about finances. Junior achievement or something. Yeah, me and him had partnered and taught in, the, in our little elementary schools. It was so fun. Um, and so we were friends, and then his son started dating my daughter, Emily, and so there was a lot of connections, but I thought he called me to the office to talk about my insurance. So I, I went, and I remember getting to the office. He said, Don, come in. He shuts the door, and we sit down, and no sooner had my behind hit the chair that he said, Don, why does your church call my church the great whore? That's a great conversation starter. He was Catholic. His whole family had grown up in the Catholic church. His grandmother was very Roman Catholic, very devout. And then as time goes on, there's a falling away, and a lot of the younger generations barely even consider themselves Catholic as they've kind of fallen from that. And He had an interesting story. He had been in the Catholic church his whole life, but 
he started reading his Bible on his own. He decided, you know what, I'm going to read this. He, he would come to the church and, and have meetings with his priest and say, hey, I was reading. And the priest would say, just don't do that. I'll tell you what it says. Don't read it on your own. And he kept coming with questions and questions and questions. And you know what? He told me, he said, Don, you know, I came to the New Testament. I'd heard all about Jesus. I didn't see anything in there about purgatory. I didn't see anything in there about having to go to a priest. I actually went and told my priest I will no longer be coming to confess my sins because I read that I can confess them to the Savior right away. He's the great. And this guy was a really troubled Catholic. He was causing all sorts of problems. Then he looked at me and he said, Don, uh, I came to a point where I realized I needed Jesus as my Savior and I accepted him as my personal Savior. I asked Jesus to forgive me of my sin. I'm sitting in front of a guy who is a Catholic but gloriously saved. And for us or any church community to point out one other community and say they're the great whore of Babylon is offensive. There might be issues inside the Catholic Church, and I agree with that. There might be issues. But there are issues in the Methodist Church and in the Presbyterian Church and even in the Baptist Church and it kind of Baptist. You've got all sorts of brands and sub-brands and under-brands. And <gasps> so today I want to say, just carefully, I don't think we have to pick out one name and say they're the bad religion. All religion. Any religion that walks away from the Bible and Jesus Christ is an apostate church. Some people believe that it is not an actual city. It could just be a representation of a, an apostate church. I think there is a component of calling out the apostate church here, yet there's some literal things about a, a physical city, and so there's reasons you would think it could be the apostate church and also why it may not be the apostate church. What else could it be? Maybe it's the return of the Roman Empire. The empire strikes back. I don't know. We don't know. The Roman Empire would have been more logical for John to be writing about it. He's in exile from his prison. He would have been thinking about this Roman Empire that ruled the world. They were the world system of everything, financial, political, and religious. So maybe John was writing about, and as a prisoner, he dare not say the great whore is Rome because he'd get in trouble for that. So maybe he was being cryptic. Um, and writing about the great Babylon, using an ancient term for a new thing. And by the way, Roman authors and poets referred to her as the city of seven hills. That's, That's interesting. interesting. You'd go, oh, and yet, nah. Was he talking about Rome? Maybe. But there's other reasons why perhaps it's not Rome, the old Roman Empire. That's this Babylon. Maybe it's us. Last week I told you, I don't think we're a big player in Revelation. I think my personal belief is that I don't have to insert us into future events because uh, I see the decline of America, honestly. I don't like the decline. I still love America. America, God bless America. I love America. But I see the decline in America, and both are power and influence across the world. Uh, yes, our, our, my, my annuity is doing incredibly well, praise God for that, but at any day it could crash. We could lose it all. But you read the descriptions and the description I'm going to read in 18, and maybe it's New York City. I mean, it can make a good case for that. Wow, it enriches the world, the New York Stock Exchange. Maybe, maybe it's, that's the great Babylon. I read a guy who was convinced it was Dallas. I'm like, Dallas? Why Dallas? He was convinced it was Dallas. 
And then I read this whole thing, and one of his biggest things was that J.C. Penney's headquarters is in Dallas. And J.C. Penney is enriching the world with its purples and linens. I'm like, now they're almost defunct. They're, they're like the only ones left standing, right? Sears is gone, and, and all the other ones are gone. J.C. Penney's. And so as I got to the end, I read it, and guess where he's from? He's from Texas. <laughs> I, I do find it interesting that people are looking at it in Revelation. If you look at it from America, you probably try to find America in Revelation. I guess if you live in Texas, you find Dallas as the a great prostitute of Las Vegas. We could, could make a case of Las Vegas is a wicked city, drunk on the wines of her excess and abominations. If there's a cup of abomination, it happens on the strip, right? It's got to be Las No, it doesn't have to be could it be? I'm going to tell you, I'm not saying any of these things are definitely not Babylon, but if you needed a city, it could be New York City. A lot of things point to that. I don't think it's Dallas. Jerusalem, we know a lot of revelation is written about Israel, the great city. Jerusalem is called the great city many times, and, and it's referred to so many times more than any other city in, in Revelation. Could it be Jerusalem? I don't think so. There's reasons to believe it's not. It's someplace else or it's something bigger. What about the ancient Babylon? Which, by the way, if you go and look where the ancient Babylon was on the Euphrates River, it's Iraq. Remember years ago? Somebody came out of Iraq who had great power. Didn't we all think Saddam Hussein was the Antichrist coming out of the ancient Babylon itself referred to in Revelation? And then we went and killed him and apparently he's not the Antichrist. What am I saying? I'm just, you guys probably know my slant on Revelation. I'm okay if you love Revelation and you want to study and you want to pick one and you want to say it's got to be that because of these reasons. But there's some reasons why you could take each one of those five things and say, "Hmm, not all of it fits. If you have to have one, pick one. But I'm telling you, I can leave today saying, I don't know if it's any of those or if it's all of those. It could be just the entire world, political, social, financial, religious, that goes against God. My daughter and I were talking about uh, uh, politics and praise God for America, but America was set up on a, on a democracy, right? But, but what is the democracy for? It's to limit the effects of sinfulness, right? We put laws into place so that sin won't ruin people, right? We put financial things in place so people won't cheat and break the rules. We, everything we do in the system of this world is about sin and against sin. And so, I'm okay today leaving saying God will judge the evil wickedness of this world. I'm okay with that. Babylon possibly being the apostate religion, the governmental overreach, the everything negative in this world. And God will judge that. Anything that goes against him, that's as clear as mud. I'm so thankful that I helped you. Let's read on in Revelation 18. After this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven. He had a great authority, and the earth was illuminated by his splendor. With a mighty voice, he shouted, Fallen, fallen is the Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling for demons and a haunt for every impure spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and detestable animal. For all the nations have drunk the maddening wine of her adulteries. The king of the earth 
The kings of the earth have committed adultery with her, and the merchants of the earth grew rich from her excessive luxuries. Then I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, so that you will not share in her sins, so that you will not receive any of her plagues. For her sins are piled up to heaven, and God has remembered her crimes. Give back to her as she is given. Pay her back double for what she has done. Pour her double portion of her own cup. Give her as much torment and grief as the glory and luxury she gave herself. In her heart she boasts, I sit enthroned as queen. I am not a widow, I will never mourn. Therefore, one day her plagues will overtake her. Death, mourning, and famine. She will be consumed by fire, for mighty is the Lord God who judges her. When the kings of the earth who committed adultery with her and shared her luxury see the smoke of her burning, they will weep and mourn over her. Terrified at her torment, they will stand far off and cry, Woe! Woe to you, great city! You mighty city of Babylon! In one hour, your doom has come. I'll just stop there for a second. As you read through, there should be lots of thoughts spinning in your head after everything I've just said. Really sounds like there's a literal city, doesn't it? I mean, there's smoke and there's fire and people are mourning over the loss. So could it possibly be a global system? I, I, again, I don't know for sure. Is it an actual location? I, I don't know. I, I like the part where this says, come out from her people. My people, be different. You know, one of the things you should take away today is don't live like this world. As a believer, come out and be separate. First Peter tells us that we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. And we're to come out, we're to be aliens and strangers here. We're, we're just passing through. I, I have a tent here, but make it a tent, man. Don't set down your whole life here on this earth because it's just a short time. And the eternity is what matters. And so I love the call there. Don't marry this prostitute the world. Don't indulge in everything that it has to offer that would keep you from God. And by the way, the whole prostitute whore thing, I think of Hosea in the Old Testament. And as Hosea was asked to marry this prostitute, this unfaithful wife, then she cheated on him. And, and, and God said, but you love her. Don't just not divorce her, love her. And that was supposed to be an illustration to us of what we do to God. We turn on him and we, we marry the world. We have an affair with the world on a holy God. And so all of this talking about Babylon and the description, which is, is negative, it's, 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 it's uh, vulgar to a point, talks about the cheatingness of a holy God, one God, and people are just worshiping idols and anything. And it's what God is against. Let's continue. The merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her because one buys their cargoes, because no one buys their cargoes anymore. Cargoes of gold, silver, precious stones, pearls, fine linen, purple silk, and scarlet cloth. Every sort of citron wood and articles of every kind of ivory, costly wood, bronze, iron, and marble. Cargoes of cinnamon and spice, of incense, myrrh and frankincense of wine and olive oil, fine flour and wheat, cattle and sheep, horses and carriages, and human beings sold as slaves. They will say, the fruit you long for is gone from you. All the luxury, you, the splendor you have vanished, never to be recovered. The merchants who sold these things and gained their wealth from her will stand far off, terrified at the torment. They will weep and mourn and cry out, woe, woe to you, great city, dressed in fine linen, purple and scarlet, and glittering with gold, precious stones and pearls. In one hour, such great wealth has been brought to ruin. 
Every sea captain and all who travel by ship, the sailors and all who earn their living from the sea will stand far off when they see the smoke of her burning and will exclaim, was there ever a city like this great city? They will throw dust on their heads and with weeping and mourning cry out, woe, woe to you, great city where all who had ships on the sea became rich through her wealth. In one hour she has been brought to ruin. Rejoice over her, you heavens. Rejoice, you people of God. Rejoice, apostles and prophets, for God has judged with judgment she imposed on you. Then a mighty angel picked up a boulder the size of a large millstone and threw it into the sea and said, with such violence, the great city of Babylon will be thrown down, never to be found again. The music of harpists and musicians, pipers and trumpeters will never be heard in you again. No worker of any trade will ever be found in you again. The sound of a millstone will never be heard in you again. The light of a lamp will never shine in you again. The voice of the bridegroom and bride will never be heard in you again. You merchants were the world's important people. By your magic spell, all the nations were led astray. In her was found the blood of prophets and of God's holy people, of all who have been slaughtered on the earth. Babylon the rich. Babylon the mighty. It talks about this great prostitute sitting on the seas. But then later on, it says that the seas were the many languages and people and tongues. And, and so is, is it a literal sea or is it just representative of the entire world? I, I think that's why you make a case for it. it was a port city where riches come from. And, but the whole world is connected today. We're all so connected. I remember years ago going to Brazil, uh, taking teens on missions trips. And my first trip, Brazil was a third world country. There was nothing that reminded me of the United States in Brazil, but I kept taking teens. Six trips over 12 years. By the sixth trip, everything was in Brazil. McDonald's, you name it, they had it. Kentucky Fried Chicken, Pizza Hut, everything was there. They had a huge mall, and it was so westernized in Sao Paulo, and Rio de Janeiro, and Capo de Rodan. All these places had really become like the West. I don't know, the, the entire world lives out of commerce together. So Babylon is judged. Why? Why is Babylon judged? Whether it's a, a city in one city or the entire world, it, it's fallen. When it says Babylon the great is fallen, I love how it's given in those terms, is fallen, not will fall, is fallen. It gives divine certainty. Whatever it is, I'm telling you this, God will judge anything that goes against him, all wickedness and evil. That's what we're learning. There's divine certainty. There's some demonic characteristic about this Babylon. It's excessive in her sinfulness. The Bible keeps reminding us that uh, it's just overwhelming full of sin. It's influencing the world to participate in her sins. All of these are reasons why Babylon the Great is judged. Described as proud, arrogant, and self-indulgent. Anything, any system that goes against God will be judged. And then Babylon is mourned. We go into the section where we hear that the kings of the earth mourn. Uh, Babylon has fallen. The merchants of the earth are, are upset. The sea merchants. It talks about the shipmasters, sailors, and ship owners. Everything has kind of been destroyed. No more commerce. Babylon the great is no more. Babylon's fall is rejoiced. It's mourned in the earth. But then in heaven, Babylon's fall is 
is rejoiced. The dwellers of heaven will unanimously rejoice their destruction. So all those who are in heaven, uh, uh, taken away, uh, saved from the destruction that's happening here, we will rejoice. And so will the angels. You've got the angels and the saved all rejoicing that Babylon is finally going to be judged. And then it's depicted as a millstone cast into the sea. There's this time where the Bible says they throw it in there and say that's like, which is interesting because that's found in Jeremiah. Jeremiah pledged the destruction of Babylon by casting a millstone into the Euphrates River. Look for it yourself, Jeremiah 51, 61 through 64. So much of the Old Testament points to what was coming. So Babylon will be mourned. Babylon will also be rejoiced. Here's my conclusion today. No view could be held dogmatically. I'm not saying you can't have a view. If you have a view and you, you know, then good for you. But don't hold it so dogmatically that you don't give room for other people and their thoughts on this. So as you leave today, your pastor didn't answer. Who's Babylon? I, I know that at least Babylon is anything, any system, any place that goes against God. God will judge that. The most important thing to remember is that evil exists in our world, financially, politically, and religiously. Whether Babylon is New York City, Rome, apostate Christianity, or the literal city of Babylon on the Euphrates, Christians must remember that Satan roams the earth and empowers evil people to do wicked deeds, and for this reason, God will bring judgment. Going back to my big idea, when God decides it's time, judgment will come. So as you leave today... Whew, not a great encouragement, is it? Not a woohoo, what a great sermon, Pastor. No. But at least you can have confidence that God is, His righteous character demands judgment of sin. And He will bring an end to the systems and anything in this world that sets itself up against God. And we will rejoice at His justice. The angels will rejoice with us. The world will mourn at the loss of its power and wealth. All these things are coming. Now from here out, I'm so excited that we turn the page to chapter 19 and next week we get to talk about the second coming of the Lord. And then we start talking about the marriage supper of the Lamb. If, if, if Finally, Pastor gets to talk about food. Yeah, an exciting celebration. I'm more excited about that than ever. So uh, let me close you in prayer today and send you off on your wonderful day to celebrate our freedom by blowing up little bits of it. So, Father, we do thank you today. I thank you in Jesus' name, in the power, in the mighty name of Jesus that we are free. And that we are free because you, God, will judge. God, we're convinced that you will not let anything wicked and evil to, to flourish, but it will be brought to an end. And we're confident, knowing your righteous character, that that will be done. According to you, it is done already. There's no doubting it. So we thank you for your judgment. We pray all this in Jesus' name. So as I send you out, the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. And on that, everybody said amen. 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 God bless. Have a great weekend.